But I'm excited about this, and I love this. But it, since the beginning of this year, and, and I don't have an exact count, but since the beginning of this year, there's been, I would say, roughly around 30 students who have found new life in Jesus since the beginning of this year right here at Emerge. Come on. That's exciting. And, and the great thing is, is that God's not done yet. He's not done yet. And, and so for the, here's what we're doing for the whole month of October. Um, we're taking this time and we're going to have a focus on missions. And we're going to have a focus on Speed the Light. And if you're here and you don't know what Speed the Light is, it's, it's what we call our missions giving. It's how we, uh, what we do as students is we help provide um, vehicles, cars for missionaries. We've provided, through Speed the Light, we have provided uh, boats for missionaries who live in island countries. We've provided uh, camels for missionaries who live in desert countries. We've provided for one year for a, a uh, missionary who's like in somewhere deep in, in Russia. We provided a snowmobile for a missionary. We've provided a horse for a missionary who can, it's, it's their mode of transportation so they can better reach their, the people around them for Jesus. We've, we bought, um, this last year, I just heard not long ago, we bought for a missionary, because this is what they asked for, a whole year's worth, and I don't even remember what country they were in, but a whole year's worth of bus passes, because they wanted to ride the public transportation. More opportunities for them right there, seated with everyone else, to tell people about Jesus. And so that's what we do. We, we provide communi- uh, transportation and communication equipment. Uh, a couple years ago, a lot of us went to Nicaragua for on a missions trip. And if you guys remember that went, we took these two sound systems, portable sound systems. That was paid for and bought by students who are, who are helping those missionaries there set up. If you remember, we would just pull up in a village. We'd ask someone if we can plug in to their electric. And we would set up in the middle of the street. And, and hold thing and um, have uh, what do you call it crusades uh, and and like people would just come out of the woodwork and just have opportunities to tell more and more people about Jesus and that's what speed the light is and that's what we do and that's what we're given towards this month and and by our giving and by students just like us all around the nation um, we are we are we're helping our missionaries be better equipped and help uh, helping our missionaries. Uh, reach more and more and more people all around the world. And we're going to be talking about David. And, and um, when I was a little kid in kindergarten, you know how they ask you, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, that maybe, maybe people still ask you today what you want to be when you grow up. And so in class, one day the teacher was going around asking people, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And like people were like, oh, fireman or, or policeman or uh, marine or like a Dentist, like who really says that? But like, um, I went to be a paleontologist, you know, like, or 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 a veterinarian. And but like, when it came to me, I was like, I want to be a dinosaur. <laughs> and and the whole class did that, and then I memorized everyone's face, so I could eat them when I became a dinosaur. <laughs> I was like, you you will you're gonna die, clown. Um, <clears throat> but you have when you have this dream. Or, or even better, when you know God's calling on your life or, or whatever it is that he wants you to do or wants you to be with your life. See, I, I love it when God reveals his plans and his callings to students' lives. I absolutely love that. I, I, that's, I celebrate that. That's such a fun thing. I love it when students are like, 
hey, Pastor Jeremy, I got to tell you that God, he's called me to be a a radiologist. God's called me to be a a missionary. God's called me to be a pastor. God's called me to be an architect. Or God's called me to be an engineer. And and I want to tell you tonight that the hardest part of being called by God is having to wait for it to happen. The most difficult part of being called by God is having to wait for it to happen. It's not understanding your calling. It's waiting for it to happen. It's, it's kind of like that, um, that are we there yet mentality. <clears throat> like how many of you guys, like when you're taking a trip with your family or you've done things like that, you're like, are we there yet? You know what I'm talking about. Maybe your younger sibling did that and you want to slap him in the face. Um, I, I remember as a kid one year we were driving from where I lived at in Oklahoma and we were going to South, Southern California and, and we were dri- and we were like three hours into the trip. Dad, are we there yet? My parents were polite, nice, like, no, we're not there yet. Chill out. 30 minutes later, are we there yet? And like, no, we're not there. Like it, it built up to finally like. Are we there yet? And like, and, and, and so finally I responded. I was like, I should have just stayed home. That was the wrong answer. Like my dad hit the brakes and he's like, like pull the car over. And like, you, you know, you guys ever taken trips with your family, car trips with your family? Your dad's ticked it from the beginning. You know how, you know how that's right. Like he's already mad before you even leave the house. And so he's already ticked and he's trying to be a nice guy, um, but he's ticked. And you know, you know, you're in trouble when the brakes hit and he's pulling over to the side. Like there's, there's two options that happen when your dad is mad. He's either driving down the road and doing one of these things. And, and like you're in the back going like dodging, like he's trying to hit anyone and everyone he can hit. But you know that when he, the car actually get the brakes hit and the car actually pulls over, it's over. Like, you're in trouble. So my dad pulls the car over, and I've got my guard up. Like, I'm like, come on, dad. Like, and my dad turns around, and he says this. Listen, he says, do you really want to miss out on one of the best experiences of your life because you don't have the patience to wait? We were going to Disney. We were passing through uh, the Grand Canyon, headed to Disney, and, and driving through all, like, all this way. And my dad was like, do you really want to miss one of the best experiences of your life because you don't have the patience to wait? See, here's the thing. When God gives us our calling, when he begins to tell us what we're created to be and what we're created to do, we go to God. Here's what we do. We go to God in prayer and we said, we say, God, 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 are, are we there yet? Or we talk to him, we're like, God, am I there yet? Can, can this be it yet? Is this my moment? God, are we there yet? Have, have, you opened that, <clears throat> have you opened the door yet? God, can I be a dinosaur yet? And God is sometimes, and sometimes we're like, well, if he's not going to do it for me now, then I should have just stayed home. I should have done nothing. It's taking too long. It's not happening now, and it's not happening in the time that I'd like it to happen. And God is telling you, Are you willing to miss out on the greatest experience of your life because you can't wait? I believe God's called every single one of us, every single one of you guys in this room, our leaders and our students, every single one of us in this room to something great, whether you've realized it or not. 
And we sit here and we mope around because we're not there yet. So you've got to understand that starting small will always be more difficult than finishing big. Starting small is always going to be more difficult than finishing big. See, we get stuck in that are we there yet mentality. <clears throat> and and it's, it's the mentality that tells us that the journey isn't worth the destination. But let me tell you tonight that the destination is worth it. It's so worth it. Your calling is worth it. God's plan for your life is worth it. And so when we talk about David, David... He was there too. He was a person. He, he knows what we're dealing with. He was there too. You see, David, he was a shepherd who God anointed him king right there in front of his family, right there in front of his siblings, right there in front of everyone, right there in front of the entire world. And let me, before we get there, let me give you a little a background to this story. <clears throat> what was happening at this time is that Saul was the king at this time. <clears throat> but Saul was a bad king. He was a bad guy and God needed a new king. So what he did was he sent this prophet named Samuel <clears throat> um, to, to, a, a <clears throat> to a man's house. This man's name was Jesse. And he sent Saul to Jesse's house because he, if, he said, once you go there, go to Jesse's house and that's where you're going to find the new king of Israel. <clears throat> so Samuel, he goes to Jesse's house and he asks Jesse, he says, hey man, bring out all your sons because one of them are going to be anointed the next king of all of Israel. And so all of Jesse's sons, they come out and they line up and they line up before Samuel and, and Samuel, he looks at the oldest one and he's like, oh man, he's the oldest. Like, and back in this day, like being the oldest child was a really big deal, but he's the oldest, like he stands tall, he's strong, he's muscular. This must be the guy. He's big. He's strong. He looks good. And God says, no, not the guy. So Samuel moves on to the next, uh, next guy, next son. And he's like, oh, this has got to be the guy. He's smart. He's talented. He's he talented. He's got a lot of followers on Instagram. Like, and, and God says, no, no, he, he's not the right guy. And so he goes through, Samuel goes through every single one of Jesse's sons. And every single one of them, God says, not the guy, not the guy. Not the guy until there were no more sons to go through. And, and Samuel looks at Jesse and he's like, wait a minute. God told me this is, this is where I'm going to find the next king. Do you have any more sons? And Jesse was like, oh, yeah, I got, I got one more. Like, and he, like, he totally didn't even consider David. So they, they go out into the field and they grab David and they bring him in before everyone, before his older brothers, before his family. And like, how many of you guys have older siblings? Um, like how many of you guys <clears throat> would love to be anointed king or queen in front of all of your siblings, right? Yes, it would be the greatest. I'm the youngest of six and I would be like, nana, 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 like, you know, like, so here's what happens. Samuel anoints David in, in front of all of his family, in front of all of his siblings and, and honestly, probably even more than that, because when, when the prophet comes into town, it was like a huge gathering. Everyone came out to see what happened, to see what he's got to say. So here's what happened. David, he's anointed king. And the next day, when he woke up, instead of being sent to the throne room, he was back in the shepherd's fields. And how, how, how would you feel in that situation? 
You were just anointed the next king. And then you got to go back and mess with stinky sheep. It's like, it's like those moments like we have at, at retreat or at camp or even here on a Wednesday night. And we're like, God, give me a plan. Give me a purpose. Give me a dream. And, and, and he, re, he reveals things to you. And we, we have those moments at retreat or camp or on missions trips. And, and God reveals things to your life. And then we go back to school the next day and, and sitting in algebra class. And you're like, whoa, God, uh, this, this doesn't feel like retreat. This, this doesn't feel like camp. You, you told me I was going to change the world, but I'm in algebra. That, that's kind of like a lot of us. You know what God is asking you to do, but instead of, <clears throat> instead of reaching and loving more people, instead of launching out into what God's called you to do, you just sit around and you want God to do everything and pour out his blessing on you. You want God to make all the moves. And you're just like, I'm just going to sit here, you do it all. And that's not how it works. A lot of us are struggling right now because it doesn't look, our lives doesn't look like what God has called you to do. Your present situation doesn't look like God's future purpose for you. But let me remind you that your calling doesn't start when you get there. Your calling starts right here, right now, in this place. See, if God's called you to reach your friends, you guys, you don't have to be a pastor to do that. You don't have to be an adult, a leader to do that. If God's called you to change the world, you don't have to wait till you're you're grown up and you have some kind of degree. If God's called you to do something, it doesn't matter who you are or how old you are or what you look like. The reason you may be asking God what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing and you don't hear a reply is probably because he's already told you and you're not doing it. You haven't done anything about it. The Bible says this in Zechariah 4 verse 10. It says, do not despise the small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't despise the small beginnings. You're not going to be called into ministry or called called to be a pastor and next day you're like leading a mega church. That's not how it works. The, the Bible says, the Lord says, don't despise, don't overlook those small beginnings. He's saying, start where you're at. And, he, and he's going to rejoice and celebrate when that work begins. See, we, if, you, if you see, it's like, <clears throat> if you can see the finish line from the starting line, and, and you think, and, and you're, you're, it's like you're standing there in the starting blocks. Anybody run track? Yeah, it's like you're standing there in the starting blocks and you can see the finish line from the start line. And you're just like, why am I not there yet? That's what it's like to live like this, to act like, oh, God owes this to me or he told me this, so he's going to do all the work. That's not how it works. It, you've got to begin to take steps towards your calling and that is called obedience. You have to be obedient. You may be here tonight and you're like, God's never told me what to do. God has never revealed his calling to me. And and, and I want to challenge that. Yes, he has. For every single one of us in this room, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, 
He's told us all what to do. He's given us all a calling. The Bible says that we are all called to go forth and to make disciples. All of us. We're all called to do that. That's what we're all called to do. Not just your pastor. Not just your leaders. All of us. If you want to know God's calling on your life, start there. Start there. That's a great place to start. And I guarantee that when you start there, that God will begin to reveal more and more and more to you. Look at, I just want to use this as an example. Uh, a lot of you guys know um, our friend Tate Kelly. Look at that example. She, she didn't, in the beginning, she didn't even know God's exact plan for her life. But she knew that she was called to reach her friends. She was called to reach people. And she did that. And, and she was called to help people find Jesus. And she did that. And she's continuing to do that. And now she's in college and in, in this next step in her life. And God keeps opening doors after doors after doors for her. Giving more and more opportunities to her because she was faithful in the small things. I want you to know this. God's biggest dreams for your life are unlocked by your smallest steps. God's biggest dreams for your life are unlocked by your smallest steps. See, it was during that time that David was waiting. In the, he, he was anointed king and he was sent back to the shepherd's fields. And it was in that time that David was just sitting there taking care of stinky sheep. And in and, and the shepherd's fields doing the work that his people, Israel, the people of Israel, they go to war with these people called the Philistines. And the Philistines, they had this warrior. He, he, his name was Goliath. He stood like... Nine foot six inches. This guy was was so strong. Even just the head of his spear weighed fifteen pounds. Now I don't know if any of you guys ever throw shot put. That shot put ball is like eight pounds, right? Something like that. And that's really hard to throw. This guy is just the tip of his spear weighed fifteen pounds. And so here's what's going on: these these armies of Israel and the Philistine armies were facing each other, <coughs> and and they would were just lined up across each other for days. And every day, Goliath, the warrior, he would stand out, stand out in front of his whole army and stand out and face the Israelites. And, and he would just run his mouth like he was just talking trash. He was running his mouth. He would mock Israel. He would mock God. And he was trying to get the Israelite people to fight a battle that they weren't ready to win. So keep in mind, David, he was in the shepherd's fields and his brothers are in the army. And David was stuck at home waiting to be king. And his dad, Jesse, came to him. And if you got your Bibles tonight, here's where we're going to kind of read. It's in 1 Samuel 17. And this is kind of how it goes down. 17 starting. And I want to encourage you guys, though, to, to read this whole thing uh, on your own, starting with verse 1 all the way to verse like 51. But we're going to start in verse 17. It says, one day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. It was like David worked for Jimmy John's or something. But, and then he said, see how your brothers are getting along. Was that in there? Yeah. Yes! I put that in my notes and then like, woo, okay. I am not funny. Um, <laughs> See, he said this, see how your brothers are getting along and bring, I can't believe I left that. Uh, when you try to write jokes, it's don't do it. Um, just let it be natural. Anyways, um, 
I'm embarrassed. So bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse, direct, uh, as Jesse directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts of battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the armies of Israel. In the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about what led up up to David killing Goliath. But this moment right here was everything for David. David was called to be king, but God asked him to start as a delivery boy. Freaky fast. I didn't write that one in there. So, <laughs> But listen, what would have happened if David didn't go? What would happen if David was like, Dad, I'm not taking the bread and cheese to my brothers. I don't even like them. If he wouldn't have taken that, if he wouldn't have been obedient... He would have missed out on defeating giants because he was too good to carry bread and cheese for a few miles. Tonight, some of you guys here in this room, you've got giants in your life. You've got giants of addiction. You've got giants of pride. You've got giants of anxiety. You've got giants of low self-esteem. You've got giants of doubt. You've got giants of fear in your lives. And all God is asking you to do is to kill these giants in your life and, and, and to start with something small. See, you do something small and obedient for the Lord and He will take care of your giants for you. You begin to follow Him and, and follow Him in the small things and He will take care of the large things. I want to encourage you to try them. Test Him on it. You follow Him. You be obedient to Him in those small things and, and He will take care of the giants in your life. And so David, he carries the bread and the cheese to the front lines, to his brothers, and he's asking them, he's giving them the cheese, and then he hears Goliath begin to run his mouth. He begins to run his mouth, and the entire Israelite army is afraid, like they're shaking in their armor. And and Goliath, he's trash-talking Israel, he's trash-talking our God, and and I'm kind of shortening this story a lot. But David, he, he grabs his sling. He grabs his sling and, and a few stones, and he walks out. He walks out to giant. He walks out to the giant. He walks out to Goliath, <clears throat> and he's like, "Who are you? Who do you think you are?" And, and Goliath looks at him, and he's like, "You puny little runt!" Like he starts talking trash to David. He's like, "I'm going to kill you and feed you to the birds. Who do you think you are, stepping out here and facing up to me?" So David puts the rock in his sling and he begins to spin it around and he begins to spin it around and then he lets the rock fly and it was like going in slow motion. It was like, bye Felicia. And like, and the, the rock sinks into the forehead of Goliath and, and it kills Goliath and Goliath drops. And then David runs over there and he picks up Goliath's sword. And he chops off Goliath's head. 
And he's like holding it up like, oh, and then like, and everyone in the Philistine army turns and runs. And we're going to finish that story in the next couple of weeks. But I want to tell you tonight, don't miss out on God's best because you're too good to do the small things. Don't miss out on God's best because you're too good to do the small things. Begin, begin being faithful with a loaf of bread and a few pieces of cheese could slay your giants. Right now you may, may feel kind of like David did. You may feel like you're waiting in the shepherd's fields. You may feel like you're waiting with no plan or no purpose. But I want to encourage you tonight to be faithful. To be faithful. To hang in there. You may not know your exact calling yet, but what you can do as a son or as a daughter of God, and, 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 and you can live for God in the faithful things, in the small things. And here's what will happen when you wake up every morning. All of hell will shake when you wake up because you're living out your calling. David's strength was being obedient and being faithful. That was his biggest strength, just being obedient. And being faithful. See, in one, in one, one point in my life as, as a pastor, um, <clears throat> I, I, I was praying out of, place, out of a place of fear. Because you know, I was starting out, I had no idea what I was doing. As a, I was a first time being a pastor, being in ministry, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was getting no help. I was getting no training. And I, and I was praying out of a place of fear, asking God to take it away. But, you know, one day I decided to change things. I decided to pray, change my prayer a little bit. <laughs> and, and instead of praying and asking God to take my fear away, I began to wait. And I began to wait, like in, in the shepherd fields of my life. And I began to pray with faith. And I began to pray with power and, 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 and not in a place of fear. And I began to play, pray from a place of power. And since I began to change my, my prayers from a place of fear to a place of power, God began to change my life. And I think a lot of times we're like, God, help me with this. We need to step up and say, God, I know you've called me. God, I know you've got a plan for me. I know you've got a purpose for me. Lord, if you can slay giants, you can slay the things that are going on in my life. Pray from a place of power. Don't just be like, <laughs> God, I need your help. Pray with power. Pray with authority. Because God, he promises to be there for us. He promises to take care of us. We have nothing to fear. See, David's in the shepherd's fields and he didn't waste his time complaining. He did everything he could to get closer and closer to God. And when the time came for him to face his giant, he, he didn't go out to face the giant from a place of fear. He went out with confidence and brutal intent. See, simple obedience and faithfulness unlocks God's promise in your life. Tonight you may be saying, well, I, I, can't, <clears throat> I, can't, be, I can't become... I can't follow this God. I can't become like this God. I, because I, I can't live like this God because I struggle with this. Or I struggle with these things. Or I've got, I, I can't share my faith at school because I, I've got anxiety. Or I can't become a missionary because I struggle with depression. And we start, to, we start to excuse ourselves from all these different things that God's called us to do. 
and, and I can't do this because I, I struggle with an addiction to pornography. Or, and, there's, and then what happens is there's this giant that's standing between you and your destiny that God's called you to do. And it, and, and it stands there in your path and it shouts at you every single morning. And it shouts at you every single night before you go to bed. And you living, you're living in fear, believing what you can't do. But God says different. He's got a calling and he's got a purpose for you. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. You're empowered. And that giant is nothing. All you have to do is carry the bread and the cheese and the giants will drop in your life. Obviously, not literal bread and cheese. That would be weird. But I'm saying is start, do the small things that God is asking you to do. Don't be too big to take care of the small things. If we could have our band come back to the front. <clears throat> Tonight, you were made to walk over that giant. See, David had a clear understanding of, of his future and he knew exactly what he was supposed to do. He trusted God. He waited for his moment. He was faithful with the small things. God tonight, he's asking you guys, every single one of us in this room, to be faithful with the small things that he's asking you to do. See, listen, I want you to, if David would have known from the very beginning when he was anointed, if he would have known from the very beginning that he was going to fight Goliath, he would have he been training for it. He would have been doing push-ups and like curls and like bench press and spear throwing. And he, he would have been training to face this giant. If he would have known that from the beginning. If he would have known that God would have put this giant in his path from the beginning, he would have gotten ready. He would have trained for it. He would have learned how to wear armor. He would learn how to throw a spear. But God didn't tell him to train for Goliath. God asked him to bring the bread and cheese. God asked him to do the small things. And when you're faithful in the small things, God will provide the big things. He'll tear down the giants in your life. God is asking you every single day. He sees that giant in your face yelling at you. And he's asking, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful?